Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Welcome back to another edition of Funky Monkey MMA. I'm Kane Miller, and I'm joined by Dave Madden. Our guest today is an undefeated prospect who recently picked up her third professional win at Invicta FC 16. Please help me welcome Aspen Ladd. You were really dominating really every second of the fight. Many people had those first two rounds scored each a 10-8 for you. Uh, heading into the third, were you expecting to score the finish like you did? Yes, that was the plan. That was what my corners instructed me to do. Honestly, I was trying the entire time. But, but, um, it's kind of difficult when you have your hands basically held on to uh, for dear life. So, but yeah, <laughs> it, it all worked out in the end. <laughs> well, and you you seem to pick up steam as as the fight was progressing. So. You know, from a viewer watching it, you know, hearing you say she's holding on with like a death grip, uh, you know, do you think she lost steam as it went on versus you gaining steam and you just kind of maintained the same pace the whole time? Absolutely. I could feel like getting tired. That's the thing. Um, nobody from our gym usually is ever going to get tired in a fight. That's because of our coach, um, Doug Casabar. Like, I was perfectly fine tons of energy just good. but um I could feel her wheezing especially in the second round. It's really difficult. You have somebody grinding on you to keep your breath. Kane and I were speaking before before you came on and, and I missed your post fight interview that, that Kane was discussing about. I guess you were not only coming into this late notice, but I mean you coming off an illness. I have the flu, the hundred and two fever the day they called me. Jeez. I mean, the pace you maintained was, it was incredible. And doing with all of the intangibles going against you, I mean, just, I mean, props to you and just what a, what a fantastic performance. Thank you very much. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected me to do as well as um, I did, but as I said, never out of shape and just stay in the gym, stay ready. Well, uh, on top of that, uh, right before this matchup, you made the decision to move up to bantamweight. Uh, Was there a specific reason that prompted this? Uh, Did you feel the cut to flyweight was just maybe a bit too much, or do you think that there might simply be a bit more opportunities at, at 135? Um, several reasons. With the um, new regulations in California, I honestly don't think I can make 125 anymore. There's more opportunity at 135, and um, honestly, we got a late notice call for a – somebody dropped out in the UFC, and they gave us the call, and we accepted. They ended up choosing a chick with one more fight. So it's, it's mostly an opportunity thing as well as health. Okay, yeah, and that was actually, yeah, that was something that we wanted to uh, to talk about as well. Um, the fight that uh, you brought up, I, I, we're not really sure how much you can uh, talk about this that much, but um, you had, you were offered the fight not too long ago as a late replacement for, I believe, it was Lauren Murphy, correct? Mm-hmm, yep. And so, 
Was there a specific reason they, that you feel they picked uh, Kelly Fasholtz over you? Do you think it was maybe just the experience or the fact that you were at 125, and did that kind of prompt the the move up to bantamweight? We were already thinking about it before then, but, yes, that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin there. I, they chose her because she's obviously she's always been a 35er in her career, and she had more fight than I did at the time, so... And then, you know, with your with you fighting at 135, you know, when, when people knew you were a flyweight before and you're moving up, uh, you know, the, the, the wondering of, like, the McGregor versus Diaz thing of size, reach being a problem, I, you know, it was a non-issue for you, at least with Kelly. Do you think going forward, either in Invicta or getting that call up to the UFC – Facing others, I mean, do you see an issue running into that? I mean, like you said, you are a bantamweight, and this was something you were doing, but did you feel that at all? It didn't come across in Kelly's fight, but, you know, what, what do you think about that? I think every opponent's going to present a new challenge, but, no, it's people look at it, they see a height almost. Like, it's not a height class, it's a weight class, and we're all the same size here. <laughs> so it's going to depend on the opponent. Right. And uh, so you're not 3-0 and as a professional with all of your wins being stoppages. So what's next for you? Is there a specific opponent that you'd like to maybe face next? No, I'll be happy with whoever I get, honestly. I just want to fight again as soon as possible. And um, I believe uh, after the fight you said that you were interested in the next Invicta card that would take place, I believe, on May 7th. So are you just looking to just get back in the cage as soon as possible? And uh, how many fights would you say you'd like to have in 2016? Just, as many as I can get, as crazy as that sounds, but if, if you come out uninjured, there's no reason not to. This is my job. It's what I train for. It's, it's what I want to do. Yeah, ideally, I'd love to get on in May. I know there's a card in July. This is often as possible. You mentioned Coach Doug, and, you know, the it's, it is, it's but, you know, you have Coach Jim West, and you, I mean, your, your corners, I think it was Michael Guy also with you in the corner. So the work of, of their work was, you know, I, I, I watch fights and you hear the corners and I always, you know, picture or assume it's like, well, the athletes in end all be all control, right? You're the one doing it. But it was, uh, you know, and some athletes, they hear the corner and do it, but it was almost like symbiotic between you and your corners where, you know, I couldn't understand every word they were saying through the computer, you know, but they would say something, you did it. And, and it was, immediate and just I wondered if you could just share more about that or, or what what goes into making that happen with with you and your coaches um as honestly that's a lot of trust and years and years of working together I am truly blessed with um those two they've, they've been in my corner for all my fights um yeah Jim West our head coach and Michael Guy my main boxing coach but um yeah the only way that's possible is hours and hours in the gym and trust, and they both give me their all all the time, extra time, whatever's necessary. They both hopped on a, pl- on a plane on a few days' notice and went out to Vegas with me. But, um, yeah, I, it's it's hard to explain. Everybody comments after. They've never heard cornering like that. It was my last fight when I fought Amanda Bobby Cooper. I remember Big John was my uh, referee. He said afterwards that was some of the best cornering he's ever heard. And um, after this one, the evict- a couple of the evicted officials were saying, yeah, it was, it was like you guys were playing a video game. But all that is is just um, a lot of trust and um, training. And yeah, like, it's, it's an emotional thing for me, too, because I just nobody really understands that. They do. They think the fighters, it's, it's, it's 
one and done. That's the only thing in there. It's what they're watching. They don't see the corner. They don't see all the preparation that goes into it. But I'm just very blessed. And, um, yeah, I love those two. Is there a coding that goes into Because, uh, you know, the positions you were transitioning to and from, uh, either from the feet to the ground or from the, gr- you know, ground back up, it, the uh, was there coding of some kind? Because, they, you know, you hear directions and you hear, you know, past the legs and, and you know, move into half and, and whatever. I mean, the amount of words there, and it seemed more like they say X and you did it and Y and you did it. And the, the immediacy and the shortness of their directions. Most of it's very plain and straightforward. Left foot here, move your hand there, underhook, she's doing this. There's a few things, obviously, like um, one of the things that was shouted in the fight is do the Danny. That's a kicker takedown. It's named after Danny Ramirez there. But no, it's just um, immediate response and the fact that they see, they train me so often that what they, I know whatever they want when they say a particular thing, so it's just, it's easy. Yeah, like you said before, I had heard about this, that for your, your second fight with Invicta, how Big John McCarthy was saying that your cornering was some of the best cornering that he had ever heard, which is really crazy considering how long he's been in the sport and you know, the amount of coaches that he's heard before you guys like Greg Jackson, Frost Sahabi, guys like that. Would you say that it was almost humbling to hear him give that level of compliment towards you? Was it more of like a gratification that your that your team is just that high of a level? <laughs> it was satisfying. I don't need somebody else to tell me that I already have the best round. I know how good they are. So yeah. The fact that it was Big John saying it was just a little bit a little bit extra satisfaction there, so <laughs> Right. Now um I was listening uh, to your interview on MMA Junkie Radio last night, and you said before that you don't have a nickname because your name is, uh, I'm quoting you on this, quote, already weird enough. And so <laughs> though, uh, during your last fight, though, uh, Invicta actually tweeted out a suggestion for you. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not. During your last fight, they tweeted out a nickname suggestion, and that was uh, Aspen Spider Monkey Lad. Now, I don't know if that was alluding to your constant pressure against your opponent or a reference to something else, but do you think that you'll take him up on that nickname or just maybe stick with what you got now? I think I'm just going to stick with what I have now. I mean, people have tried to give me nicknames several times. It just hasn't stuck, so I, I, I like what I have. I'm good. But Spider Monkey is kind of flattering. I'll, I'll say that. You know, and then you, you were speaking about MMA uh, Gold, you know, your team, and I, I just – how long do you think before, and you guys are all so young in, in there, but I mean, how long before, like you said, we, we as a more global MMA community see Danny Ramirez or Anthony Hernandez or, I mean, just the names that, that are a part of that gym and the talent a part of it. How long before before more people know about it? I think by the end of this year, you're going to see a lot of change and a lot of people, um, I mean, we've only been around three years and look what we've accomplished. But I honestly yeah. think by the end of the year, be at least a couple of us in the UFC, and um, just going to continue doing big things, keep moving up. Yeah, definitely. So you're actually very young in the sport, and as you were first getting into MMA, were there any specific well-known fighters that got your attention and made you want to start competing in the sport? Um, honestly, no. I've I've never really been a fangirl over anybody or even thought that way. I I knew who a few of them were, but that was, that's the extent of it. Okay, yeah. And yeah, you actually see that pretty frequently among fighters. A lot of fighters themselves aren't really like hardcore fans of the sport. They just prefer the competition aspect of it. Do you think that that's just because people prefer the the competition aspect of it 
Or do you think that it might be better for fighters to keep up with the sport and maybe study possible future opponents? Um, I know fighters on both ends of the spectrum. Some that if they even have a whiff of opponent, they're all over it. They're studying him for months at a time. But um, then you have others that are more like me, where if I know I have one, okay, I just need to see the picture. I don't want to know anything else about them. So I know my coaches are looking at that, and they're I'm training whatever aspects I need to be for that particular fight. But as far as just watching it goes, I don't know. Maybe it's just because your life is basically absorbed by the sport already that when you're on your free time, you don't really want to get into it. So you don't actually with your coaches sit and watch like film or something on your opponent? Nope, I do not, never have, and I have no intention of doing so. Yeah, a lot of fighters do prefer that. You know, they'll kind of do their own thing and let their coaches watch the tape and study their their opponents and devise a game plan around that. Is that pretty much how you go as well? You just kind of listen to what your coaches say, let them devise the game plan, and then take it from there? Um, yes. I believe if you watch too much footage on the other person, you're, you start playing to their strengths, honestly. You forget what you're good at. You're just focusing on them the entire time. You stick to your own game plan. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we let you go, Aspen, though, we'd like to give you an opportunity to mention any sponsors that you have or thank anyone that you'd like to bring up or anything like that. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank my team, obviously. Like, um, Dave Hirsch, my manager, and um, Jason House of the Radium, as well as um, Jim West and Michael Guy, obviously, for everything they do for me and hopping on a plane on short notice like that. I'd like to thank Hayabusa for the amazing fight year. Um, all my local sponsors, like NorCal Spine Sports, they've been with me since my very first um, fight. And so obviously he gets me fixed up every single time and through all kinds of injuries. Then you get Steve Pete, the Eldorado Hills, where I'm going to be taking out tomorrow night. <laughs> as well as um, NorCal Cryotherapy. And, jeez, um, there's so many. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody, but, yeah, I've just got so much local support as well as that I'm national, and I'm very, very grateful for it. Well, Aspen, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you in the cage again, hopefully on that May card. And uh, we look forward to seeing you continue to climb the bantamweight rankings. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I'd like to thank Dave Madden for helping me co-host. Dave, where can people find you? Yeah, I'd, I'd love for people to find me on Facebook, Dave Madden, or on Twitter, the Madden MMA. Awesome. And uh, as always, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at FunkyMonkeyMMA. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Kane E. Miller and continue keeping up with the site for the latest MMA interviews and analysis pieces. We'll see you next time. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cash Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, LoveMMA.com, MMARecords.com, and FightBookMMA.com. Funky Monkey Radio is sponsored by Altercation Clothing. If you never back down, then you're ready for an altercation. For the freshest news and notes on all things MMA, get over to FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to funkymonkeymma at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. MMA fans, are you looking for something to set you apart? Then check out altercationclothing.com. Altercation Clothing is a brand with attitude, offering fans and fighters alike a variety of specialty shirts. If you won't back down, then you're ready for an altercation. Altercation Clothing can be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash altercationclothing.com. 
Altercation Clothing is a proud sponsor of Funky Monkey MMA Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA.